What's up, friends? It's Haley Hines, a.k.a. Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Give Them the Bird. My name is Haley, aka Bird, and I'm so excited to have you here. Recently, something that has been on my mind lately is hormone health. I feel like in the last year, this idea of hormone health has just blown up on my social media. And while I am a health and wellness and fitness professional, hormones are not within my area of expertise. Like, I have a very low level knowledge of the endocrine system. I know, you know, the different mood boosting hormones, stress hormones, sex hormones, et cetera, but like how those hormones are specifically impacted is way over my head and not within my scope outside of, you know, what I work with people on. But recently I've been super intrigued by this idea of hormone health. And it's mostly because somebody I know has literally created an entire business based on helping women balance their hormones. And some of the recommendations that she gives out based on, you know, comments and feedback that I see, it sounds like they really seem to benefit people. And, you know, most of these recommendations are things like eat whole, unprocessed, organic food or use quote unquote clean or cleaner products with less chemicals, um, take these natural supplements, like that sort of thing. And even as, you know, an educated, qualified health professional, I'm still like not totally sure if those measures and guidelines are actually necessary to balance our hormones. And to me, it kind of feels, you know, those recommendations kind of feel like they toe the line with diet culture a little bit, right? Like cutting out processed foods, um, considering some foods good and bad and, and all of those things. And at the same time, part of my brain is like, well, you know, some of the symptoms that she's mentioning are symptoms that you identify with. And if you can just follow some of these recommendations and balance out your hormones and not have to deal with those symptoms, like maybe it's worth a try, right? And so I've literally been going back and forth for several months on whether or not I should like jump on the whole hormone health balancing mumbo jumbo train (laughs) and um, I recently like ended up purchasing a program to help me do it and while I was reading through it I was like oh shit this is really diet culture this this does not seem like it's completely necessary it seems a little bit out there but just going back and forth for several months and not really knowing you know what is diet culture from this or what are some things that I should be doing to balance out my hormones? Like, do I actually need to balance out my hormones? All of this stuff. So when I found Dr. Gregory Dodell on Instagram, um, who on Instagram is everything underscore endocrine, he's an endocrinologist and he, he his whole thing is saying like weight loss and restrictive diets, like they're not the answer to hormone health. And when I saw this, I was like, okay, I definitely need to talk to this guy. So I reached out to him. He was up for chatting. And I swear to God, I had so many freaking questions, so many things that I wanted to ask him. 
And then we started chatting and I realized that like, you know, most things in my life, I was making this idea of hormone health way more complicated than it really needs to be. And I think that you will understand what I mean by that once you get into the episode. So a little bit more about Dr. Dodell. He is a board-certified endocrinologist who received his medical degree from Albany Medical School and completed his internal medicine and endocrinology fellowship at St. Luke's Roosevelt Hospital Center, which is affiliated with Columbia University. He is currently an assistant clinical professor of medicine, endocrinology, diabetes, and bone disease at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, and he has his own private practice at Central Park Endocrinology PC. What I really appreciate most about Dr. Dodell's perspective is that he he kept shit so simple for me. And it sounds like, you know, if he kept it simple for me, I'm sure he keeps it simple for his own patients. And just talking with him, it's really clear to me that he truly believes in a patient-centered approach in medicine rather than the more common weight-centric approach that in my head has really plagued medicine. And so we spend a lot of time talking about weight bias, you know, what it is, how it shows up, and how telling somebody to lose weight to manage their chronic conditions like diabetes just really isn't the answer. So instead, he offers up some really simple solutions to keeping our hormones healthy. And again, I think you'll be surprised at how simple and how like, oh, duh, this stuff is. And I mean that in the best way possible. So it was super awesome to connect with Dr. Dodell, and I am really pumped to continue learning from him and to share this episode with you guys. But before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. And if you're tuning in from Apple Podcasts, please feel free to rate and review. Okay, now let's get to the good stuff. Enjoy, you guys. All right. Welcome, Dr. Gregory Dodell. How are you doing today? Awesome. Good to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome to have you on. Um, so before we start talking about all things endocrine system, give me a quick rundown of who you are. All right, cool. So I grew up in, in Los Angeles, um, came back east for school, and uh, I want to be a doctor since I was, you know, there's discrepancies. Some people say eight years old, some people say six year old, six years old, under 10, definitely want to be a doctor always thought maybe pediatrician. And then I got to medical school and had a really enthusiastic endocrinology professor. And was like, this sounds great. And, uh, and I did it. And uh, I'm married uh, to a great, great woman, Alexis Connison, who's in the field um, at the anti-diet plan is her handle. And she's got a book coming out, which is so exciting this summer, Diet Revolution. And we have two daughters and uh, we live in, in New York city. And, uh, that's it. That's the, that's the sum. That's the sum. That's perfect. So one thing that um, I love to do on the podcast is really challenge what it means to be healthy and fit. Um, Cause I think so often when we think of what healthy and fit means um, we see a certain body image or body size or certain behaviors, even in our head. So I love starting out just by asking my guests, like how, if at all, has your definition of what it means to be healthy and fit changed throughout the years? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up in quotes, I air quotes, if you're listening, um, in the American medical, um, you know, community. And I trained in an endocrinology research center, um, an obesity research center. And obviously, you know, the, the party line is, you know, fat is bad and 
you know, we should be counseling everyone on weight. And if someone goes to an optometrist or an ENT or whatever their weight, and, and even if it has nothing to do with what they're there for, they got some wax in their ears or whatever, you know, they get counseled on weight. And, and I think that, that that's just the party line and that's what we're, we're kind of taught. So, and you know, I just think back to being in a grand rounds, you know, when I was a medical resident and a cardiologist came and presented data on fitness, you know, over fatness and how fitness was so, you know, so important. And it was like groundbreaking, like why, I don't know why that's groundbreaking, but it's just like, you know, we have this, this idea that, you know, if people are fat or a larger body, they can't be healthy. And it was like, this paradox that, okay, they're fit. So they're actually healthy, but why do you have to like clarify that? You know? So, so that's kind of like where it started. And then, you know, I mentioned Alexis and, you know, we've been together a long time and she's been doing this work and she's been educating me on it. And I, I read a draft of her book, you know, in conjunction with starting to like try and learn more about this on my own and, and see patients and it, you know, full, you know, full honesty, you know, coming from, from where I came from in my training, it's pretty hard to like kind of like figure out how you like incorporate this model because you're just everything you're told is like you know you got to tell people to lose weight and you got to tell them like you can't have you know this and you got to cut your portions and you gotta you know all this stuff you know specifically around nutrition and you know it's hard to break that you know that that training and you know how do you talk to someone with diabetes or you know pcos about you know, eating, you know, and we all just in diet culture and everything else with, you know, what people are told from external forces of, you know, this is good, this is bad, you know, it's really hard. I mean, obviously, people that aren't in the medical community still like everyone's just bombarded by this, you know, so, but I, but gratefully, I started getting referrals, you know, from, from non diet, you know, dietitians and therapists and, and just really just listening to people's experiences and just following on social media. And it just kind of clicked too late probably, but it clicked. And I was just like, I got to do this, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm, it's a, I'm learning, you know, it's an evolution, you know, of just like, how do we, you know, am I supposed to weigh patients because like, that is, you know, important in certain situations, but like, I also have to like, look at what that can do. And like, how do I like, navigate that and how do I like get consent and how do I figure out you know how to do that well so that I'm not doing harm but also you know that clinical information is important in some situations so we can't deny that you know right yeah I think I mean just from my perspective it sounds like I like the way you look at it in terms of balancing like balancing the like you said, the, the clinical things, the health things, but also with like seeing the patient, you know, patient centered approach versus I feel like, like you mentioned, everything is so weight centric. Um, and it's incredibly hard to unlearn all those things. Um, but even just from me sharing some of the things that, that you have posted on Instagram, which like your Instagram has really blown up since I first reached out to you, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. It's been like, I mean, you guys all like know what it's like. I, I didn't anticipate the like amount that of like what has to go into it. And I like, actually like, just like, I'm not posting anything today. Cause I was just like, I need a, like a mental break. And it's a lot, you know? And I think if I didn't feel invested in this and like, want to like learn how to like be a better doctor by doing this and like following everyone and like being engaged, I wouldn't do it. Like I would just 
be seeing my like 25 people a day in my office and trying to like be the best I could be for those patients. But I think there's like a bigger mission here for all of Mm -hmm. us. Oh yeah, totally. And I think too, like the more that we see the intersections between, um, you know, weight and race and, you know, all of that, it's like undeniable. Um, but I can also see how it is at times it's overwhelming, but it's like, well, we got to do it. So yeah, I know that just from the people that I know who have seen the things that you've posted, even they're like, oh, I wish he was my MD. Like, I wish that I had somebody around here that, that I could meet with. So I think, um, yeah, what you're doing, it's making a difference. That's good. Thank you. I mean, I've just been like floored by like, and, and just touched and, you know, just the direct messages from people around the world. Like, can I translate this into it- Italian or Spanish or like, you know, all this stuff, it's just, you know, and it's, this is not like an American issue, a U.S. issue. This is global, you know, there's, there's weight stigma. That's, you know, there's no like language for that. It's just everywhere, you know, so um yeah and I you know you bring in the race stuff to it and you know obviously I'm a white like thin male and I've learned to like you know kind of like know that that privilege makes it different you know and um and and it's just important and and I think we're at a obviously a crossroads hopefully you know with this like anti-racism stuff and maybe you know maybe I felt the same way you know with this obviously is like it's not enough to just like say that you aren't fat phobic or you know that you're health at every size if you're not like taking some action like you're just as bad as everyone else Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of like that silence is violence kind of thing you know well let's talk endocrine system because i have so many i'm just the whole hormone health thing is blowing up on social media and even like myself as a health professional even I'm like, oh my gosh, should I try an, an adrenal cocktail? Like, should I try all these <laughs> crazy things? There's other cocktails that are better than that. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, I, I enjoy cocktails. I guess I could, I'll drink for my adrenals, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I want to first start out with, um, can you just give us like a rough overview of the endocrine system? I know that it's hormones. I know there's a lot of them. I know that they impact all the things, but give us an overview. Yeah. So the way I kind of look at it. I mean, obviously we're alluding to the hormones affect everything. And that's what drew me to endocrinology to begin with, because I was like, okay, if I make the right diagnosis or like we figure out what's going on and we give the right like support for whatever hormone may be deficient, that's like game changing. Right. So, um, but the endocrine system comes mostly from the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus and there's stimulatory signals that come from those areas in the brain that stimulate the other kind of target hormone um, areas, other glands, whether it's the, you know, adrenal glands or the thyroid or the ovaries or the testes, you know, all those things are just from that stimulation from the pituitary and it all works on this feedback loop, right? So let's talk about the thyroid, right? So if the thyroid gland, which is in the neck is not producing enough of this thyroid hormone, mostly something called T4, um, the brain senses that and the TSH goes up higher to try and stimulate the gland and be like, hey, you got to put out more thyroid hormone here you know, and we could check all these things on blood tests, which is really cool. And, and, you know, based on that, make a, make a decision of how to treat someone and, uh, and can make a difference. So then what about, what about all like the, I don't know, I don't know if it's bogus or if it's real, like all, all the hormone health claims that are out there, like, can you have a hormone imbalance? If you can, what might it look like? Um, 
adrenal cocktails like do should we drink them all the things it's just I don't know if you've noticed that like how I mean obviously you know people come in and they're like I think I have adrenal fatigue you know and and I'll I'm happy to entertain it and check an AM baseline cortisol and all the other tests that go along with thyroid and everything else that we do but yeah I mean it's I think it's kind of like diet culture in some ways because it's like there's money in it, right? Like so, and that's the thing about the endocrine system, right? Because it's kind of like vague. Like if I ask someone like, how are you feeling? Like, you know, oh, I'm tired or like, you know, whatever, like I'm depressed or whatever. And it's always like, can go back to like the hormones because thyroid and all these things affect the same thing or low testosterone or whatever. So it's an easy target for supplement companies to be like, hey, here's a testosterone booster or here's like some adrenal extract or whatever. But it's probably just like, you know, you got to move around a little bit more, you're stressed out, you know, you got to get some sleep, you know, whatever. Um, and a lot of times that's what it is, you know? So I, I think most endocrinologists don't recommend those kinds of supplements. And also it's not regulated. So you don't know what you're actually getting in those things. I feel like what you said about the it's like diet culture. I totally think it's this new spinoff of diet culture, but it's just, it's so hard. Cause even I, I know someone who, um, that's like her big thing is hormone health now. And it's like, man, will I really feel better if I do these things? But I just saw a post today. I'm trying to think of who it was from. She's a doctor. And she said like, yeah, your, your hormones like really can't be that out of balance because of the fact that they function like through that feedback loop. I mean, they can be out of balance, but like you have to have a medical problem for that to happen. Like you actually have to have like adrenal insufficiency. You have to like have a thyroid that's not working, you know, like. It's not just like, oh, you're stressed. Your hormones are, are unbalanced. You know, I was thinking about this before. I mean, because stress has a huge, huge impact on the, on the body and specifically the endocrine system, right? Because the adrenal glands put out the fight or flight hormones, you know, norepinephrine, epinephrine, and high amounts of cortisol cause blood sugar to go up. High amounts of stress may affect thyroid levels. We're seeing that even with COVID, right? Because like fighting off things like your demand for these hormones goes up. And um, so that can happen. And, and, you know, anything good that you do for your body tends to be good for your hormones. So same things that we would recommend for anyone, right? So like get enough sleep, stress management, like, you know, move around all those things. So um, it can happen, but taking a supplement, I don't think is the answer. Mm. More so the, like the healthy behaviors, like, like you mentioned that we want to recommend everybody do those things. If you do those regularly, if those are in check, then you don't really have to worry so much about, like you said, like the supplementation and everything else. Right. And if you, if you legitimately have an endocrine issue, you should be seeing an endocrinologist and you should be on a form of hormone treatment, endocrine treatment that is regulated and, and you know what you're getting and, and that's it, you know, cause it can be dangerous, you know, you take, I mean, like, for example, like if people take thyroid supplement support from like wherever they're getting it, um, and there's a lot of iodine in it, let's say, or kelp or things like that, there's, that can actually turn off the thyroid because too much iodine loading, you know, your body's like, I don't, I don't know what to do, you know? So, so it's not without harm. Mm, yeah. That's interesting. Cause I've always, even like when I see it, I'm like, oh, just more of, um, 
I don't know, sometimes when they talk about it, it seems like a natural supplementation kind of thing. So I think knowing that, yeah, the, that there could be harm from it. Cause again, like you said, it's not regulated. It's important for, for people to know that too. So, so then when you, um, when you talk to people again, you've already mentioned these things like the, you know, staying physically active and that's all of those things. How do you talk to your patients about that? Like how, what are some of the recommendations that you give to them? Um, if they come to you and, and they're not currently doing those things. I mean, I try and say like, is there anything that you would like doing as far as moving your body? Um, you know, if like you hate running and I'm like, Hey, like, have you ever thought about running a marathon? Like what? No chance they're going to do that. I'm going to go out (laughs) and start training tomorrow. No, not going to happen. Right. I mean, it's, it's a dialogue. What do you, what do you like doing? What can you envision yourself actually doing? you walk five blocks, you know, every day and turn around, you know, is that possible? Do you like that? I mean, cause throwing out recommendations like diet and exercise without a plan is just like useless. Right. So I mean, I talk about, you know, think I, a lot of doctors and certainly therapists and stuff don't really like divulge a lot of personal stuff about themselves, but I feel like to me that like brings something to the table. So I'd be like, I love yoga. Like, if you try, you thought about doing yoga, like, can you, you know, watch a beginner's video on YouTube or whatever and, and have that conversation. And hopefully like the patients will be like, think about it. Number one. And number two, be honest and be like, no, you're crazy. I'm not doing yoga. Like whatever. Like Mm -hmm. um, that's not my thing. Okay, cool. Try something else. Right. I love that you say that because I, as part of my full-time job, um, at the University of Iowa, I do an annual um, lecture to the second year med student, or is it first year med students? I don't know, one of the two about rec- like using fitness as kind of like exercise as medicine, like using that recommendation and having those conversations. And this last year, it was all virtual. And so students were like all in the chat box and everything. And it was so funny because some students literally asked, um, like, is it really going to make a difference? You know, because I use those examples. I'm like, stand up once every hour or, you know, use the stairs instead of the elevator kind of thing. And I had several students this time around that were like, but is that really just like encouraging complacency? Like if they're not hitting the recommendations, I'm like, no, cause they're doing something. And once they start with one thing, then it'll slowly increase. But if we start with like, go out and run and they hate it, there's no chance that right. the, it, they're going to be able to keep right. up with it. Right. And also potentially, you know, if they're not able to do something that you're recommending that's also harmful right so like Mm -hmm. you tell someone like hey go start running but they you know aren't in shape enough to do that or whatever you know that's that's detrimental also and certainly if they start getting joint pain and things like that they're not gonna be able to do other things like walking or yoga Mm because pain right yeah and and also i think it just like ruins trust and rapport that they have with you i mean Absolutely. Just like, what the hell are you telling me to go run for? Like, I don't remember the last time I walked around the block. So, right. um, yeah. So talk more about, um, cause I've seen that you've mentioned a lot on your Instagram about like meditation and mindfulness. And you mentioned just now yoga. Um, I'm curious to hear more about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it works nicely and it fits into, um, the endocrine system, right? So we were talking about stress before stress management impact on hormones, and I took a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, you know, on my own, prompted by Alexis because she said, "You're, 
you're anxious. Like, you know, I, you think I, you got to do this, like whatever. And I was like, all right. Like after five years, I finally was like, all right, fine. I'll just do it. You know? So I did it. And honestly, it was like changed my life. You know, I, I went, I, I did that raisin exercise and was like, yes. this raisin is amazing. You know, I was like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if I've ever like looked at food and like tasted it and smelled, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, um, and then like we had homework. Right. So mm -hmm. I had to like do this like 37 minute body scan and just lie on the floor and just like, think about your left big toe and think about your like left ankle. And like, you know, you may feel something you may not. And is it cold? Is it touching? Is your clothing touching the, like whatever. And I was just like, did this. And I, it was like probably like five in the morning, five 30 in the morning. And I just like, was like, you know, you think about the differences between left and right body and like all of a sudden I was like, wow, the lights went on. Like, it was just like, whoa, like, you know, like thinking about my body and like how I felt and like tension and all this stuff. It was like, so I started recommending to patients and, uh, and that turned into like a meditation practice and just trying to be like mindful and during the day, like not try not to like look at how many messages I have and like, because it's on our medical record, I could see, oh, now it's up to 45 people I have to call back, great, you know? Um, but just to like be there with the patient and, and whatever, and it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. When did you do the MBSR class or the when, course? I did it in 2018 and uh, it was probably like, it corresponded to like one of the most stressful periods of my life. I was, had, we had a fire right above us in our office and I'm in a private practice. It's my own practice. And it's just me and five employees and I have a physician's assistant. And it's like, you know, we had this fire above us and water damage. Like we were all just here on a Friday and we like had to evacuate. And I walked out of here and was like, when I'm going to be back. And I like scrambled and like Monday, I had to like find a temporary office for a month and oh my God. contractor and like insurance, all this stuff. And that was like, probably like the same week I was starting this course. Mm. And like, I was in this course and I, it was just good timing. Cause I think it just helped me, you know, through that. And yeah, it was January, 2018. Mm. So I, I took a MBSR course. Um, it would have been, I think in 2019, I even remember, I think one of the biggest things for me was the, like, when they talk about like the responding versus reacting, um, like the pause, you know, when a stimulus happens, like pausing, noticing what's arising in the body and then responding to it skillfully versus just like getting pissed off, which is what I normally do. Yeah. No, it's, um, so you, you think about fight or flight, right? Cortisol and all that stuff, you know, probably dampens that that response of like heart racing and, you know, all the other sweating and all the things that happens, you know, when we're anxious, just being able to, to do that and just, you know, like, this is what it is right now, you know, like all that, like stuff that you learn. Right. And even I like the like idea of like, you know, you're like outside the washing machine and you're just like watching the clothes, like go around like vigorously. And you're just like this observer, you're just like, this is what's happening right now. You know, I haven't heard that metaphor. That's a good one, though. Yeah, you're just watching like the chaos, but like you can just try and observe it, you know, the same way that, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with like foods or anything, right? It's you don't want, you don't have to label like an emotion as like 
good or bad it's just like what it is you know just like what it is right now and and the second you do that you decrease your reactivity to it and it and it makes it okay mm-hmm. i'm curious for like patients of yours who you kind of prescribed or recommended meditation or mindfulness or yoga have they like told you about any any changes that they've noticed in their lives i mean a lot of times it has nothing to do with me they just like happen to doing it or they saw like a headspace or a calm app or like whatever but i feel like it it makes the dialogue better in the patient doctor interaction just because i feel like we're speaking the same language like similarly to like you know talking about you know intuitive eating or anything like that i feel like it like amps my like energy up in my game because i feel like all right we can like really like parse this out and like talk and i'm not like talking a different language you know yeah, it's like more conversational. You're on the same level. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, so I think like the more that we can introduce it to people in a more relatable way, and it's not like this foreign thing that you have to sit for an hour and think about nothing, um, it makes it feel a lot more doable for them. So I think it's cool that you bring it up to your patients or even just are willing to have those conversations with them. Yeah, I mean, I think that that it just goes with, with what I'm doing and what we're talking about mm-hmm. because you know, people say like, well, what can I be doing for my thyroid? And I'm like, you know, stress management, like whatever's good for your overall body is good for your hormones. And like, Mm -hmm. part of that is like not being stressed and the mindfulness and being present. And like, also, you know, just enjoying things and like being in the moment, you know, that's gotta be good for you. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and the data on mindfulness and diabetes and chronic pain and all this anxiety, depression is Mm -hmm. pretty you know, positive. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's like, if you can just practice something that's going to reduce your stress a little bit, like, there you go, you're helping your hormones. (laughs) You're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So you've mentioned, um, a couple of chronic conditions like diabetes and, um, you know, PCOS and I, you mentioned another one too. I'm curious to know more about, because especially like with type two diabetes, that is a very weight focused diagnosis or condition but what role does weight play or does it not when it comes to managing chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes yeah i mean so so right so the 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 paradigm is such that you know if someone has diabetes you know it's because they're fat you know or you know the way to treat diabetes is to get people to lose weight um fat and thin people have diabetes type 2 and type 1 so you know um, it's clearly not just about obesity or being fat. Um, so um, for me, the treatment has to be something that's sustainable and, and something that works. So I think if, you know, we talk about cortisol and stress and all these things, recommending, you know, restrictive diets and exercise that people aren't going to do and be able to sustain in the long term, I think is, you know, going to be detrimental you know, psychologically and physically, right? Because, you know, most people that go on, on diets will, you know, inevitably gain the weight back or, and, and the, the cycling, I think the data, you know, shows that that's stressful. And, you know, I think focusing on the things that we're talking about, like getting enough sleep, joyful movement, the relationship with food, you know, intuitive eating. I know these are all like buzzwords, but like they're buzzwords and they're cliche because, you know, because they work. And, you know, how many hundreds of diets are there out there that, that does the data just doesn't support, you know, long-term effectiveness. So I think 
that's detrimental to people. And I think that's, that's why this approach, I think people are really gravitating to, because when I talk to someone in my office who has diabetes, I mean, most of them, you know, have been through all of that. And it's kind of like a new and refreshing thing to say, you know what, let's not talk about your weight. Let's talk about, you know, having enough protein and fiber. If you are going to have, you know, something, you know, with carbs that just to balance out, you know, the sugar content, because if I tell you, Hey, you know, you can't have this, what's going to happen when you go to a party. If I say, you know, you can't have a cupcake. Cool. You're going to eat you go 25 to, cupcakes, <laughs> 25 cupcakes, but you're also going to go to a party and you're going to be surrounded by people having cupcakes and you're just going to have this internal dialogue and you're just going to feel like shit about the situation and that stress and that internal dialogue can't be good for you. So maybe, you know, obviously the intuitive eating world would say like, have the cupcake, enjoy it. Like you enjoy that raisin and MBSR and pair it with something that, you know, with a fiber or protein or something like that's going to help, you know, dampen the sugar response. And then when you're done, ask yourself, how do I feel? And if you're, if the sugar is really high, you're probably not going to feel that great, you know, and you're going to be thirsty and maybe the urination and all these things. And if you're in tune with that, then the next time the cupcake is there, and if you're really aware of, of what happens, you're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I can have that. It's not off limits, but I'm not going to feel good after. And you're going to have that kind of dialogue versus it's off limits and I can't have it. And now my heart's racing and everyone else is having the cupcakes and wherever the mind goes, um, you know, so just being aware of those things. And I think let the body decide and then have a rational conversation about it with yourself. Yeah. That makes so much more sense too, compared to even I think about, um, I had worked in like chronic care health coaching for a while and I hated it. I freaking hated it. I just like, I, my big thing was like, I'm not a dietitian, I'm not a doctor, but where I worked, they wanted me, you know, stick with the, just the first thing to do is recommend five to 10% weight loss. You know, if you can do that and then X amount of carbs or reducing carbs. And even just the fact of now I've switched my mindset to really being like, what could we add? Like you mentioned the fiber and the protein, how could you add that in to support it? Or even like fruits and vegetables, like those sort of things. I just think back to even studying health promotion and then in jobs that I've had and certification programs that I've done with that I've gone through, they've, that it's never the approach that they take. And I just think about like, man, I really could have impacted more people in a positive way had I known this, you know, so much sooner. That's the part that I, that I struggle with and I continue to struggle with because how do you, how do you shift from like telling someone that they can't have something to that conversation of like, you can have it, but pair it with something else or pair it with, you know, like, how do you feel afterwards and, and really like keying into the body and then, or saying have it, but like maybe take a walk after or whatever, because if your sugar is high, you may not feel good. So take a 10 minute walk afterwards and then, you know, you enjoyed it and whatever, and hopefully you enjoyed it and you ate it, you know, without feeling terrible about it and guilty. And then you take a walk and hopefully, you know, that walk makes you feel good. And then, you know, you're winning all, all over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, it is so hard to change the perspective that people have about it. Again, going back to what we started talking about, everything is so like weight centric and everything. Um, even, you know, students who are still stuck in this mindset of if I just eat less and exercise more, 
you know, my body will change. And it's like, yeah, but you're also trying to study to become a mechanical engineer. Like you really need, you know, you need the carbohydrates, you need them for your brain and your body. And it's so hard to, to try to shift other people's conditioning. But I also have to remember, like when I first started learning about it, like it was, it was, it took a while for me to fully believe it. Even after seeing research, I was like, I just don't think that this actually works. Um, but yeah, I think the shifting of mindsets is really, really hard. It's really tough because, you know, you're trained a certain way and, but like, even if you believe and like, and you go with the whole premise that like weight loss is the answer, like show me something that works long-term and is not going to like make people miserable, you know, at what cost, Yes. you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's why I feel like recommending these things that aren't weight centric, like, Hey, people may lose weight. They may, their weight may stay the same, they may gain weight. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause if they have uncontrolled diabetes, people lose fat and muscle. The second you control Mm -hmm. the diabetes, they may gain, they may hold on to muscle and fat. So they may actually gain weight. Mm. So you had mentioned that there was a, um, like uh, one lecture or something in particular that somebody came in and was talking about like fitness over fatness. Um, was that when you were still like studying to become a doctor or at what point in your career was that? I'm pretty sure it was either residency. Yeah. Residency or fellowship. Okay. Cardiology like grand rounds. And I think, you know, it was probably like a big name person and this was like groundbreaking. Right. So Mm -hmm. the cardiology and endocrine departments like went to this and the guy was like putting up the slides you know, about fit, how important fitness was. And like, I think like Reagan Chastain, like mm. I just did one of her workshops and I think she talks about that, you know, that even at like larger weights, like the fitness actually like is more important than, you know, the weight itself. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, that was kind of like, people were really surprised, I think. So when you started your own private practice, were you like already kind of working from like the health at every size paradigm or was it like a slow transition to kind of again undo the previous ways of thinking and everything a uh, slow process still going mm-hmm. you know i'm like figuring it out you mm-hmm. know just having these conversation like conversations like reinforces it and like and i think the dialogue is important you know i get like pushback and like people say yeah but like you know type 2 diabetes if they lose weight like won't they be better i don't know like maybe but is like what's driving the weight loss is it like healthy behaviors and maybe it's the behaviors that are actually like causing the blood sugar to go down and like if the weight stayed the same they would still be better off you know Mm -hmm. so um i'm just kind of learning you know how to manage the patients from this model because i think that this is the answer of how we're gonna be better and look if you make someone feel terrible at the appointment even if you have the, the intention of like trying to help them, if you give them recommendations that aren't sustainable or you just look at them in that 15 minutes and you're just like, make a judgment about like what they're doing, the outcomes will be pretty bad because they're never going to come back to see you. And then they're going to go to somebody else who's probably going to do the same thing. And then the same, you know, and like, I mean, how many comments I get from people like in, on these posts of like, I haven't been to my doctor in two years because, you know, I got fat shamed or like mm. I went in or you hear stories like, you know, like someone in college, like went 
into like the medical center and like had abdominal pain and the doctors like basically like told them to lose weight and went home and like passed out and had like you know a gallbladder attack and like became septic wow. you know so like mm. yeah one thing that i've really learned is just that the weight bias is more harmful than anything i mean i think i've mentioned it on like two other episodes that i've done too is it's like there's now research that shows that weight bias is more harmful to us or makes more of an impact on our, on people's health than the food they eat and like how much they move and all of that. Like it's, it's a huge thing. And I think again, coming from somebody that like lives in a much more accepted body size, it's one thing to say that, but um, yeah, I think for folks that do live in larger bodies to, I don't know, to, to just like realize that, that, you know, finding a doctor that's going to treat them as a person and not their body size is is really important yeah and i think that you know the studies don't control for that component of it right because like all the studies you know that saying you know being fat is bad and it leads to worse health outcomes and all this stuff like unless they're like asking people like number one like are you going to the doctor regularly mm -hmm. you know are you you know, stressed out because like, you feel like you're being judged all the time and you're at work and like, people are looking at like what you're eating. Like that, that's, that's huge. Like that mm -hmm. must play a huge role in people's health overall, you know, and just that, that stigma and living with that, you know, and then the fact that doctors are like the number two offenders of weight stigma after like people's own family, like, that's just, not, we're not taking care of people if we're, if we're causing harm that way. Anything, anything we do and say or prescribe or whatever, like if that's going on, like not only are you not enacting trust in the person making them feel good about yourself, you're not like, you're just going to keep prescribing stuff to like treat something and put a bandaid on it when we've got to really be dealing with the underlying issue of mm -hmm. the stigma. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to um, an episode, um, I think it's like the what do I eat podcast it was yeah. Reagan Reagan Chastain was on it yeah. oh man that was so good Dr. Josh was on the one after yeah I haven't listened to his yet but um yeah they're both awesome so good like the the point when Reagan said um about like yeah we're not controlling for the fact that people that live in larger bodies that their prognosis or like where they're at in regards to like their condition is probably further along than people who, yeah, 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 or something like that. Yeah, she, I think she was pretty much like with regard to cancer or something else that because they're not going to the doctors regularly, they get diagnosed later yeah. with, with conditions like cancer because they're not picked up earlier mm. or, you know, the physical exam is not, you know, as comprehensive, they're not getting breast exams or, you know, they can't fit in the MRI machine. So like you can't make a diagnosis until later, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then it goes back to, you know, you always hear people say like, well, if, if they can't fit an MRI machine, it's like, they should lose weight. It's like, no, maybe we should change the system, <laughs> the systems that right. it's more, you know, encompassing right. of all bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do you think that there's anything else you can think of that would be helpful for um, listeners to know in terms of like endocrinology, what you do, um, general, general health, anything um, that we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful? Yeah, I mean, I think that the take home point for the endocrine system, just we're harping on it, but is just take care of your whole body, your whole system and, and don't, don't feel shame about 
you know, your body and, and if someone has diabetes or thyroid or PCOS, it's not your fault. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of this is genetics. And even if it wasn't like, you know, have compassion for yourself and, and find providers and find, you know, people that are going to support you and, and whatever's going on and, and help you do the best you can and feel the best that you can, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that's it, you know, that's good. Yeah. I like that. You keep it so simple too. It's like, do these behaviors, worry less about what you look like, you know, keep taking care of yourself like you are. Um, it makes it so simple. Like your patients are lucky to have you <laughs> as a doctor. Easier said than done, obviously. Like <laughs> yeah. I could say like all this stuff, but like, unless someone believes it and like can own it, which obviously is a lifelong process, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's not even like something they're going to get from me. They're going to get from like work with therapists and nutritionists and hopefully like weight inclusive trainers and all this stuff and I think that lends itself to like having a multidisciplinary like Hayes approach because 15 minutes with me or like any other Mm -hmm. doctor is just not enough time to to do this work Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely again when I did that um when I do those presentations with the med students I break it down I'm like if you have five minutes <laughs> you have the optimal amount of time but realistically you're probably going to have one minute to bring up fitness here's how you can do it it's like I think there's a lot of pressure even on you know on doctors to have whatever conversations there are and at the end of the day too it's like you only get so much time with them also yeah I mean that's why like the like common like prescription is like diet and exercise Mm-hmm. Hey, have you ever thought about like eating better or like exercise? No, I never thought of that. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like oh wow, like yeah. Check like right, like right after like you know you check the person's weight and said, oh your BMI is like twenty eight. Like, have you ever thought about losing like ten percent of your body weight? It goes out. Person goes out crying. You don't. I mean, that's that's the other thing that I was thinking about is like we don't hear those things, you know, we don't get that feedback. Like we don't know what happens like when they leave here, like therapists do, the families do. Right. Cause like we may never see that person again. And if we do like, they're going to come in and just kind of like be like bottled up and like, I mean, hopefully not, but like, that's probably what happens. Right. Like when they get the courage to come back to see the doctor, who's like, every time they come in, they're like, Oh, you know, you really could lose five pounds you know, they're just not going to keep going. And if they do, it's just going to be like a bad experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the mental side of it, the mental health side is equally as important. And I know that, you know, that, and again, society shifting to understand that too, I think. Yeah, um, I hope so. I don't know. It's like yeah. it, but I'm like in the selection bias world of like, you know, being in this community of Instagram and I'm relatively new, to it, right. but just kind of like following people that like talk this talk but I'm not going to lie. It's like stressful when I get comments and like whatever, and just trying to like figure out, you know, how to answer those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like the like comments that are questioning what you're doing or more like, yeah, the comments of like questioning, like, well, like, you know, BMI may not be perfect, but it is something and it is the starting point or like saying like, you know, yeah, like the guidelines recommend weight loss. So like, you know, you're not practicing evidence-based medicine. And I'm like, okay, you know, if those are the guidelines, so be it. But like, does it work? 
like where are those guidelines being generated from you know they're coming from the recommendations from the ama that basically ignored its own scientific task force saying that obesity is not a disease so like can i trust the guidelines and even if wait even if i believe that weight loss was the answer i don't really have anything that is going to like work and make people feel good long term you know right it's not like there's a you know a an effective medication or something that's not going to harm them other than like you've mentioned, if you start exercising more or, you know, you maybe start focusing on intuitive eating, maybe you'll see a change in your weight. But other than that, it's like, you may not, you know, Mm -hmm. like if the objective is to like be healthy and like make people feel good. doesn't really matter what their weight is. Yeah. That's what we should be trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, before I let you go, let us know, tell us where we can find you on Instagram. If people have questions, um, I know that you probably have a lot of, a lot of DMS and questions to go through, but yeah, if people want to learn more from you, where can they find you? Yeah. So I'm everything underscore endocrine and, uh, Twitter, which I don't really use as much as just at Dodell MD and, uh, and that's it. I'm happy to, uh, to chat and whatever. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for connecting with, with me. It has been awesome. I can't wait for more dancing reels. No, I'm going to do one tomorrow, but I'm like, I'm like embarrassed myself, no, but I no. feel like it's kind of like, I don't know, it's fun. And like, I don't know. we'll see how it goes. It may be. <laughs> Keep it up. We love to see it. Well, thank you so much. It's been great to connect with you. Um, for having me on Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of GTB. If you aren't already, be sure to go follow Dr. Dodell on Instagram at everything underscore endocrine to stay up to date with all he's doing and to watch his reels. You gotta love him. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. I will see you back here in two weeks for another episode. But in the meantime, go give him the bird.